Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Hope you all had a great weekend. A lot of football that was on. Great games. One, guess, lackluster game. So I'm going to get into all that. Cowboys, Niners, what happened there? Time to ask ourselves. Is it time for the Cowboys to move on from that? Then, Bills, Bengals. Uh, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Sean McDermott. A lot to go on and react to in that game. Jaguars, Chiefs. The big thing is the Mahomes injury. But there was really one thing in that game with Mahomes out that proved that the Chiefs were going to win that game no matter what. And then Giants versus Eagles. Uh, overmatched, overpowered. That was the one blowout. I react to those four games. Let's get into it. Starting up top with the most recent game that was on Cowboys versus Niners. You know, all week this one was build up as Dallas, you know, just beat Tampa to get their first road playoff win in, I don't know, 20 years or however long it was. And now they're playing the Niners, and it just felt so apropos that their last, play, you know, big playoff run, you know, 92, 31 years ago or however long it was, Dallas had to go on the road to beat San Francisco, and that marked the beginning of that Cowboys run that they had. They went into San Francisco as underdogs and beat San Francisco. So a lot of people thought, oh, you know, it's just mirroring today's game. Could have happened. Obviously could happen. I didn't think it was going to happen. Last week I said, hey, Niners are going to win this game. I picked them to win by seven. And they won by seven. San Francisco won 19-12. to And what really was a close a ball game, uh, 49ers felt like they were in more control. But Dallas, Dallas had opportunities. So what were kind of my three big takeaways? From this game. The first takeaway I had. Was Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott. Uh, cost his team. The game. Now Micah Parsons has. You know said something shady. Uh, threw some shade at Dak Prescott yesterday. You know the Dallas Cowboy. Social media team as well. If you look at their Twitter. They said you know we can't win with Dak. Throwing two interceptions. I mean their Twitter account. Tweeted that. And in a game that is this close, a divisional round game, yes, those two interceptions are going to kill you. And those two interceptions were terrible. They were. Uh, Drake Greenlaw missed an interception. That would have been a pick six. So Dak Prescott did not play well yesterday. He was terrible. But that's just that's who I've come to think of as Dak is a middle of a pack for, uh, quarterback he'll never be a top 10 quarterback. Now he'll have a great game like he did last week, but what does he always follow that up with? A stinker, a not good game. So last week, everybody was on the Dak Prescott Cowboy juice, sipping the Cowboy Kool-Aid. Everybody was blaming Brett Maher for the problems. But Dak Prescott, what did he do? I think it was three weeks ago when he played the Washington Commanders and threw a pick six and was outplayed by Sam Howell. Yesterday, he was outplayed by Brock Purdy. Dak Prescott, again, the two interceptions were not good. 
They're not what you want to see. Yes, one was intercepted, uh, the tipped interception, the Fred Warner one, but the Lenore one, that's on Dak Prescott. Even the Fred Warner one wasn't a great decision there to try to thread the ball in there. And that's just not what Dak does. Dak is not the type of quarterback when you need a quarterback to throw darts out there. Dak is not that guy. Now, C.B. Lamb had a great game, but late in the game, the Niners kind of realized that, hey, C.D. is all they have left. Tony Pollard is out. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott can't run the ball to save his life. Uh, Dalton Schultz uh, was all right, uh, you know, until late in the game. But it was really C.D. Lamb. They took him away. And Dak Prescott, off those reads, couldn't make any plays. He just wasn't good. He wasn't good enough to win this game. And frankly so, he'll never be good enough to win a big game for the Dallas Cowboys. That's just not who he is. So yesterday was the perfect Dak stat line, 23 of 37 uh, uh, completions to attempts, 200 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, a sack, QBR of 51 in the pass rating, 63, so not good. When you get... You know, when Brock Purdy has better stats than you, doesn't throw any interception. Yes, he didn't throw a touchdown, but he has zero interceptions to your two touchdowns. So that's a big one. Second, Mike McCarthy. Uh, Mike McCarthy. You know, there's a lot of blame going around on that, and rightfully so. But Mike McCarthy, I'm sorry, wasn't great. Again, I would have gone for two instead of kicking the extra point. With Brett Maher, uh, the extra point was blocked, but when you look at the replay, that thing was looking like it was going to go left. That thing was had was going to go wide left, not a chance. Everybody was saying it after the game. So, should have gone for two there. That's on Mike McCarthy saying, let's put Brett in the game. Can't make extra points. The dude this postseason has made one out of, what, six extra points? He's missed five extra points? He's been that bad. He's been that bad. And then late in the game, the clock management. Now, this is just typical of what we've seen from Mike McCarthy. There's about 2 minutes, 45 seconds left. So you're trying to punt the ball as quickly as possible to get it back down to him, to use your timeouts on the plus side of a 2-minute. I was watching the game, and I said, you need to hurry up and punt this thing uh, to start using your timeouts and start saving you some time. Because then... If they were to get the first down, uh, like they did on that first play, the first down occurs on that plus side of the 50, takes you to the two-minute warning on that run. Now, I know Elijah Mitchell uh, gave him a break, but that's just poor clock management by Mike McCarthy, and that's what we're used to seeing. We're used to seeing him situationally, late in the game, look lost. Now, he can be great for 55 minutes, but for the last five minutes, He'll get out coached by the student, you know, next door. Anybody in the last five minutes, I think, can out coach Mike McCarthy. And then the last play. Now I get trickery. I get all that. It's the last minute. But actually, let me rewind before I talk about the last play. Dalton Schultz made two big errors before we even got to that. Because you could have tried a proper Hail Mary. But Dalton Schultz went backwards, ran, you know, behind. So the clock was still running. That is the rule. A lot of people don't agree with it, but that is the rule. 
And then the other one was not getting your foot down in bounds, which again cost them the yards, incomplete pass. So now you have to do some funky play. And you have Zeke snap it back to Dak Prescott. That is not going to work out. Then they pass it to Turpin, and he gets lit up right away. I mean, that had to be one of the worst called trick plays, whatever you're trying to do of all time. That was terrible. So Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy, you're shouldering a lot of the blade because the defense was really good, just 19 points, uh, a couple of sacks on Brock Purdy. So the defense did good. But I'm going to put 70% of the blame on Dak, and I'm going to put 30% on Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy was not going to throw those interceptions. And the last takeaway I had was George Kittle was brilliant. Five receptions for 95 yards. That catch that he had off his fingertips, off the helmet, back into his hands, it was great. That was one of the greatest catches I've ever seen. To me, that tops the Justin Jefferson catch from earlier in the year. Because to me, Odell Beckham still has the greatest catch of all time. People want to put the Justin Jefferson one because of the clutchness in the late in the game. Well, that George Kittle catch, that's as clutch as you get right there. That was a thing of brilliance by George Kittle. Ever since Brock Purdy has come into the lineup, George Kittle has looked like the best tight end of football. Obviously, he's one of the best blocking tight ends in football. But, you know, coming onto the scene, his, one of his first years, he broke the record for receiving yards. He was great. And then now with Brock Purdy, who definitely gets him involved more, uh, that's kind of his safety net, his trust, and that's kind of what we usually see out of quarterbacks. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, the Tom Brady, the Rod Gronkowski, the Aaron Rodgers, Mercedes Lewis. That's kind of your guys, the tight end. So Brock Purdy finding George Kittle, that dynamic, that duo, has just been spectacular so far. So San Francisco... Great win. They were the better team. They were the more disciplined team. Uh, congratulations to them moving on, just like I thought they would winning that game. But now there's a big question. Is it time for the Cowboys to move on from Dak? I believe there's two years left on this deal. And if I'm the Cowboys, I am moving on from Dak Prescott. It is time to rip that Band-Aid off. Thankfully, You've given them, I think, majority of the money that was guaranteed so far. Uh, so, you know, it does make it a little easier. I'm not saying you cut him, but you entertain a trade. Maybe there's some franchise out there. There's a lot of not smart franchises out there that'll take Dak off your hands with that contract because you don't need a first for Dak. You'd like a first for Dak, but you don't need a first. You didn't pick Dak with your first round pick. I believe he was a fourth rounder. You see, you know, Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. Tom Brady was sixth round. Quarterbacks can be drafted late, and it's all about development. That's what it's about. But Dak, is he ever going to win a Super Bowl with the Cowboys? Are the Cowboys ever going to win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott as their quarterback? No. No, they're not. And I'm quite certain to say they'll never make it to the NFC Championship game with Dak as their quarterback. Now, this isn't some jinx or just hating. But Dak is not that good. He's overpaid. In the biggest moments, he shrinks. Now, he likes playing in Tampa. That was evident last week and week one of last year. He'll play in that, he'll play most stadiums that game. 
But everywhere else where you need him, he shrinks when you're supposed to shine. That's just what Dak does. And when you're paying quarterback that much money, you expect him to be Mahomes or Burrow. And I think that's what Cowboys fans expect. But it's time for Cowboys fans to temper their expectations, realize that Jerry Jones overpaid for his services, and there's no dilemma now. He'll be the quarterback next year. Mike McCarthy will be the quarterback. But to me, I've raised some serious concerns moving forward. I'm not about to give Dak. He's 29. I'm not about to give him a second contract extension. I'm not about to Kirk Cousins this thing with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you have young talent with CeeDee Lamb and Trevon Diggs and Micah Parsons. And Dak is somehow your weakest link, your quarterback that you pay $40 million for. That's a problem. You've got to move on from that. Uh, time to move on from Dak. It's not something I entertain. If I was Jerry Jones, I'd be making every phone call left, right, straight up, backward, down, forward, whatever to get Dak the heck off my team. And I saw this idea float around. But if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm booking a trip to Cabo. A week later, I'm booking Tom Brady. And sometime in that week, I'm booking uh, Sean Payton to talk shop and say, hey, would you two join this? You know, Sean Payton has expressed interest in the Dallas Cowboys and you know, you get some verbal guarantees, Jerry Jones, and say, hey, Sean Payton is the head coach. Tom Brady is a quarterback for a year in the NFC with the team that is 12 and 5 and is really good. We could be something special. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. Next up, Bills Bengals. This was the one game I was wrong on this weekend. I was painfully wrong. On this one. So the Bengals will cover, though. They definitely covered. We're going to start with this one, Bills-Bengals. Let me start with my first takeaway, the first problem with the Bills. It's their defense. Their defense is a problem. I'm sorry, Leslie Frazier. You're probably a great person. You're a good coach, not a great coach. Uh, I know Tony Rumble was talking about possible coaching candidates. I don't think you deserve to be a head coach. In Sean McDermott, I'm going to get to in a second, but Leslie Frazier, uh, when you're a hot commodity, I I don't think he is. Uh, I don't think Leslie Frazier is that guy. Now, with Von Miller, this defense was different. Uh, they were able to get after the quarterback. Uh, you know, they really didn't allow more than, you know, 20 points. I think they allowed a 30 spot to the Vikings somewhere in there, but with Von Miller, this defense was dominant. They held the Chiefs under 20, which last year they weren't able to do. Von Miller leaves, and can Leslie Frazier scheme? And guess what? They play some easy teams like the Patriots, and they don't you know, allow it. But to the Dolphins, they allow 32 in the regular season. Dolphins last week, 31, and then 27 yesterday. They scored in every quarter, the Cincinnati Bengals. Leslie Frazier's defense looked unequipped to handle the job. First drive, scripted plays, walking touchdown in the three and out for the Bills. Another drive down the field, touchdown drive by the Bengals. Leslie Frazier, there's nothing he can do about it. He's trying to mix up schemes. This game is all to me. 
basically lost and over with at that point. Uh, and then uh, the other thing with the defense itself, they've had sustained some injuries. But Tremaine Edmonds, uh, hopefully he played his last game as a Bill because he was downright awful yesterday. I kept saying, you know, watching the game with my family, Joe Burrow is targeting Tremaine, and he targeted him and targeted him again and again and again. I think it was four catches on him, uh, around 50-plus yards and like a touchdown or two. And it felt like every big play that the Bengals had, Tremaine Edmonds was in the area. He was awful yesterday. Matt Milano was great. Made a big key play on Jamar Chase where it was not a catch. But the other linebacker there, Tremaine Edmonds, is bad. And now you can deploy two linebackers. If you've got uh, San Francisco, you've got Trey Greenlaw and Fred Warner, that works out for you. But if you don't have those type of players, you can't deploy that type of scheme. So I'm sorry, Leslie, but as somebody who picked the Bills to win, was rooting for the Bills, rooting for DeMar Hamlin and this story, and everything was lining up, Leslie Frazier, you wet the bed. That's what you did. Your defense was terrible. You weren't prepared. You didn't do a great job coaching. Well, who's the other person I have to blame for that? I've got to blame the head coach. Because what is he? He's a defensive-minded guy. Sean McDermott was outcoached by Zach Taylor. He was outmatched. Zach, Sean McDermott, I think he needs to go. Uh, he was not good yesterday. Uh, again, Zach Taylor came in there with a game plan to execute to perfection, missing three offensive linemen, and he said, I'm going to run the football, short passes, get the ball out quick, and they executed their game plan to perfection. Sean McDermott didn't look like he had a plan. Didn't look like he had a plan offensively for Josh Allen to go out there and work this offense. Didn't have a plan defensively to target the three backups of the offensive line. Sean McDermott was out coached. It was a shot. Zach Taylor really put on a master class on how to beat a good team in the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Zach Taylor was great. And another thing that goes trickles down to Sean McDermott is the running game and offensive line. Uh, the offensive line can suffice for most of the season with Josh Allen making plays. But guess what? Josh Allen, when he's better, needs some time to stand up in the pocket. He was pressured a lot. He was under duress. They had no running game. Josh Allen, again, your leading rusher with eight carries for 26 yards. Devin Singletary, six carries, 24 yards. James Cook, five carries, 13 yards. They need to find a running game via offensive lineman, via a running back. And I don't know if the Bills can do it. Shy McDermott's been there six years. Hasn't shown he can do it yet. So I don't know now. To find Diggs, obviously, was frustrated. It's, you know, definitely true. And why he should be frustrated with the loss. I don't think it should all be directed to Josh Allen. But now I've officially got to demote Allen to the third best quarterback in football. Right now it's Patrick Mahomes. He's a one MVP. Joe Burrow. Josh Allen. But guess what? Josh Allen, you were number one most of the season. You were great, and, you know, I'm not demoting you just because of this game. It's just what Burrow did on an elevated level. And now it's the back-to-back conference championship games. And 
you know, watching this game, you know, talking football, you know, I talk football with my brother, uh, who's like 15 years old, and talking to kids about football and or talking to any, like, novice, people don't really know a lot about the game. Uh, a lot of people just build it up as quarterback versus quarterback. It's Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow. So if one team wins, a quarterback must be better, and, you know, that's just it. That's the reason why they won. Where, you know, when you watch the game a lot, you know, you study the game and look at stats and highlights, and I just love football. That's just what I do. So I know there's more to the game than Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. So the easy assumption is, well, Joe Burrow's just better than Josh Allen. Well, guess what? Joe Burrow, or Zach Taylor, put Joe Burrow in the situation to win the football game. And Joe Burrow you know, completed his part, executed the assignment to perfection, a quarterback rating of 76, a pass rating of 101, no interceptions, just took one sack. He was able to mix it up as well, has, you know, six rushes that weren't really designed for 31 yards. I mean, Joe Burrow was extending plays. He was phenomenal. The team put him in a position to win, and he carved up a Buffalo defense, which, uh, again, I have no respect for. But then you look at Josh Allen. Numbers are similar. Completions, 25 out of 42 attempts. More yards, 265. Threw a one interception late in the game. Really, to me, didn't mean much. Uh, one sack, a QBR of 57. A passer rating of 60. And he added 26 more yards. So when I make the argument that I'd rather have Josh Allen to me, the arm talent, I take Josh Allen. I like the legs. Uh, decision-making and situational football, I take Joe Burrow. But it's a really close comp considering the touchdowns they had were close this year. The passing yards uh, were close. Interceptions were close as well. Joe Burrow threw 12, even though Josh Allen threw like 14. So, again, all their numbers are relatively close. But Sean McDermott did not come up with a game plan for Josh Allen to win this game for this offense, to be prepared to win this game, and vice versa as a defensive coordinator. The defense wasn't ready either. So guess what? John McDermott, number one, needs to go. Uh, I said this about Brandon Staley, and he's only two years into the Chargers. As a defensive coordinator who is, or defensive coordinator, once a defensive coordinator, now a head coach for the Chargers, who's way in over his head, needs to go. Just needs to go. John McDermott, guess what? You had four more years than Brandon Staley. He made it to one AFC championship game, back-to-back divisional round losses. This time you were at home. You can't do it. You can't succeed of a job. I can't get rid of Josh Allen because he's a top three quarterback in the NFL. I can't. He's great talent. You pair him with an offensive mind. You give me Mike McDaniel over there or Andy Reid. The Bills are a much better team. And you can't deny that a better coach would help his team out. Sometimes it is the players, yes, but sometimes it's the coaching. It is. Now, to me, there's more great players in the league than great coaches, so a lot of the great players' talent get wasted by incompetent coaches. That's what Sean McDermott is. Realize that, hey, this is the same story as last year where they Bill start off hot, they've got great games, and they kind of fizzle later down the stretch, cowboy-esque. Because of the coaching in the defense, it starts off great. Again, fizzles down. 
Bills get rid of Sean McDermott. It's firing season. It's not open season. It's firing season. And it's time it's time to clean out the trash. Time to get Sean McDermott out of there. Next up, Jags and Chiefs. Kansas City, I thought, won comfortably. 27-20. It was at 27-17, you know, 2010-27-17. Had a run there, you know, leading by 10 plus, you know, 17-7 as well. Uh, they could always get it within one score, but it ballooned back up to double digits. But the big thing, of course, was the Patrick Mahomes injury. That was a big deal. But to me, the biggest problem was that during that injury, the Jags couldn't score. That's right. During the time Patrick Mahomes was not playing in the second quarter, they only managed three points. Now, a lot of other teams, the Bengals, I would argue the Bills, the Chargers, they would salivate at the opportunity to go up for a quarter against Patrick Mahomes because it's, or without Patrick Mahomes on the other side, because it's like, hey, this is what we need to do for this one quarter, and he'll probably be back. We need to score as much as we can, stop them as much as we can. And the Jags obviously did not understand the assignment at all. Uh, they could not score with Mahomes out, and that was much to their demise. That's That was problem, I think, 1A. 1B was this. You know the Jags weren't going to win this game. When Chad Henney, the backup quarterback, had to navigate it, let a 98-yard drive on you, that is not going to work at all. If Chad Henney's going to do that to you, a lot of other quarterbacks can do that to you. So that, to me, that was the Jags' biggest nail in the coffin, even though that was in the second quarter. That was, hey, you know your toast when Chad Henney is dropping dimes on you and navigating his offense like nobody's business. Now, that's a great credit to him being prepared, to Andy Reid. But you have a Jags defense, and you let Chad Henney do that to you. There's serious problems going on. You know you're not going to win that game. Uh, and then thirdly, Trevor. Trevor just made too many mistakes. The one interception down there at the end, uh, at the end of the game, really killed the team, but he missed throws. A quarterback rating of only 54. Took a couple of sacks. I mean, they. I think they should have ran the ball more considering they were very effective running the ball as a team. The Jags rushed for 144 yards on 19 carries, an average of 7.6. That's pretty good. And it's not like they were breaking open runs. Each person had a run longer than 10-plus yards. ETN, 19. Jermichael Hasty 23. Trevor, 12. Christian Kirk, 18. I mean, they were running the ball. Uh, and I thought they could have kept running it because they were able to pick up first down yardage and just kind of dominate this game running the football. But Trevor, in these key situations, had that, uh, you know, just Trevor Lawrence had the interception and then the pass to Jamal Agnew. I don't know what Jamal Agnew was doing in the game at that point. Now I get he's a great punt returner, kick returner, uh, good gadget player. As well, you can use them in various roles. But a key situation, a fumble history, I know. I'm a Detroit Lions fan. I've seen it before. So in a big situation to give it to Jamal, I'm not comfortable doing that. I'm glad you were, Doug. But that's one of the two plays, again, that really cost you from getting 
back into this game. Uh, but the Jags, they're done. And Trevor, Trevor Lawrence said, we'll be back. Well, guess what? You never know with football. And I honestly don't know if Trevor will be back here this soon. Not to the playoffs, but to this divisional round at this moment. Why do I say that? Well, a few years ago, we had Baker Mayfield in this moment. Guess what? We had him play in Arrowhead. Mahomes was injured, knocked out, and he couldn't win that game. And they said we'll be back. They never were back to that moment. Guess what, Trevor? Very eerily similar. Now, you're more talented than Baker, even though Baker won a Heisman, I'm just saying. But your division, Mike Rabel, is still there with Derrick Henry. I do think Indianapolis and Houston will improve. It is the weakest division, so you can win that. Uh, you can get to the playoffs, but, get, but to get to the divisional round, the Bills, to me, are better than you. The Dolphins, with a healthy Tua, are better than the Jags. Cincy is better. I think Baltimore, with Lamar, is better. Kenny Pickett was the same record as Jacksonville. They are formidable. Then you have the Chiefs. Again, the Chargers blew it. I think they can go toe-to-toe. But AFC is tough. And I, Trevor, I don't know. This was one of the best opportunities you'll ever have in your career. Don't know how soon. Now, what about Mahomes' injury moving forward? Being it a high ankle sprain, Andy Reid says he's played through this before. Uh, they say he's doing okay. You're being cautious. He's working hard. He's getting treatment. But to me, doesn't look like he's in a practice this week. And his mobility, obviously with a high ankle sprain, it's not going to go away within a week. But there's going to be pain. So Mahomes' injury is huge moving forward because in the playoffs, he kind of turns up the scramble gear up a bit, helps the team out. Now moving forward. Don't know if that gear is going to be in him to take off. I mean, I saw him run one time after an injury, and it was painful to see him get four yards. He was hopscotching along. Uh, he was basically hopping around the rest of the game on one leg. It did not look good. It was not a good sight. I'm glad it wasn't, you know, a fibula injury like uh, Tony Pollard uh, suffered yesterday. But it did not look good. And now you have the Bengals. And the Bengals got after Joe Burrow or Josh Allen a lot with only four men, sometimes a three-man rush. And guess what? The Bengals can do it to them because they did it last year. They did it with Trey Hendrickson. But as Joe Burrow said, we're a more complete team now. We're a better team than they were last year. I agree with that. So Chiefs, Mahomes injury, looking scary. Now, lastly, Giants-Eagles. I've got to say this. Jalen Hurts was not at 100%. Um, he said that after game. He's still not at 100%. Nick Sirianni mentioned that in a post-game interview. But guess what? Give me Jalen Hurts not at 100%. Whatever percent he's at, then 100% Daniel Jones. I mean, give me... That one. Uh, Daniel Jones looked lost. Looked like he was seeing ghosts. It was terrible. 15 to 2,735 yards. One interception. A grand QBR. Quarterback rating of 11. 11, mind you. Five sacks. 
Whereas Jalen Hurts, you know, not too much better on the passing yardage, 154, only 16 completions. Not looking good, but a quarterback rating of 80, a pass rating of 112, that's the difference. Jalen Hurts is miles better right now than Daniel Jones. The big thing is Saquon was great, 61 yards running, uh, 21 yards catching, but Daniel Jones couldn't do anything in, outside of Saquon. What is this offense? They don't have a top wide receiver. Richie James, is he a household name? Do you know him? You know Darius Slayton, Daniel Bellinger, Isaiah Hodgins? No, you don't. You're not household names. They need a true wide receiver. Saquon is all this offense has, and it's not good enough. Good enough to beat a very bad Vikings defense, overrated team. But to beat good juggernaut teams in Philly, this is not it. Uh, Philadelphia running with football was great. Kenneth Gainwell, 112 yards. Miles Sanders, 90 out of 30 from both Hertz and Scott for a total. Team rush for 44 attempts, 268 yards. Three touchdowns. This running attack was great. Uh, then they added, you know, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. Eagles defense, again, got going, especially that pass rush, five sacks. Uh, this looked very complete. Now, this is what I was saying all year. The Eagles, to me, looked like the most complete team. Well, that was on display on Saturday night. The bye week proved that, hey, we needed this to get healthy, get some extra practice reps in. And sometimes we don't see a team really use a bye to the full. It's kind of like a spring break week. But the Eagles did not. They tuned in. They were fantastic. Uh, Nick Sirianni had these guys coached. Everybody knew the assignment. They understood it. They marched and beat on New York fairly easily. Now, now previewing the NFC title game. This is going to be a great NFC title game. I think it is. Uh, sometimes we don't have, you know, the two best teams in the conference like last year. Two best teams in the conference were the Packers and the Bucks. They were both bounced in the divisional round. And then, uh, you know, last year, the Titans and the AFC were the number one seed. They were bounced in the divisional round. So we see a lot of ones and twos get bounced. But guess what? This is one of those matchups. We get the one and two to me. As I was saying it most of the year, these are the two best teams in the NFC. The Philadelphia Eagles, who I thought were the most complete team in the NFC, and then the San Francisco 49ers, who I thought were the most dangerous team in the NFC. When they get it going in their spurts, they can even beat the most complete team. So to me, this is a very intriguing matchup. Just doing a quick preview, because you got two young quarterbacks in Purdy and Hurts who actually played against each other in the Big 12, Oklahoma-Iowa State, which was a great game. Uh, both young Jalen Hurts is a little better, but then you have a running attack. Uh, both of them run the football very well with a lot of the same concepts. I'll probably give the edge to Philly or to uh, the Niners because of Christian McCaffrey. The skilled players at Dallas Goddard, A.G. Brown, Devontae Smith is very formidable compared to the Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, offensive lines probably give to the, uh, what's it called? The Eagles have been a defense. Number one defense in NFC, uh, Niners, number two defense, Philly. I mean, this is true best-on-best best matchup right here. 
This, to me, is going to be a great game. I can't wait to talk about it more next podcast, but I will leave you with that. Hope you all have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you all soon. Bye, everybody.